good evening, New Zealand. Very good morning, Leon. 8 a.m. local time, if I'm not mistaken. We're outside this morning. We're outside in the foyer in front of our lovely French hotel. That's the music they play in the background always. It just follows us around France, doesn't it? Uh, great to have your company here on Rugby Walk Up today. My name is Daniel McCarty. We take you through the next hour and take you across all the big talking points. Key voices, including going inside the All Blacks camp, we'll hear from David Harvilli. Is he going to get a huge chance to start the opening game? He's got to be in the mix because Geordie Barrett remains under a serious injury cloud due to a knee injury. David Havili, of course, has only played, I think, about 40 minutes of footy over the last month or so as he turned out for his uh, Tasman, beloved Tasman, against Otago in our uh, national provincial competition, of course. Also joining us on the programme, Hawks Bay fans are going to love this, absolutely love this, a European Cup winner with La Rochelle, Ehire West, Spent a number of years with the Blues and then one year with the Hurricanes before joining um, the Exodus North and to France. And he's been quite the success with La Rochelle. Last season, though, he was with Toulon. He has returned to La Rochelle uh, where he is uh, quite a prominent figure and a very well-liked individual and a successful first five. So we're going to really dig deep in a little bit about uh, French rugby culture, etc., etc. That is all still to come. Your contribution to the show is always welcome. Double eight, double three. That is uh, our Timber and Bird poster text line. But as we wait for the tournament to kick off, the scramble for news angles is quite fierce. And there are some perplexing off-field issues bubbling away below the surface. There has been reports out of the world, uh, out of the United Kingdom, rather, that World Rugby Chief Executive Alan Gilpin has promised to protect referees by clamping down on public criticism of match officials by players and coaches. Take note, Mr. Russi Erasmus. Apparently, players. Uh, and coaches have been given extensive briefings this week about the strict do's and do nots at this tournament. And World Rugby has warned they will face disciplinary action if they criticise referees, uh, especially on social media. We all know the pitfalls of that. We know how ugly social media can turn. Uh, we do know about death threats that have been uh, thrown out, not by players and coaches, of course. That would be absolutely bonkers. And warranting some uh, stiff penalty, but uh, you know those troglodytes who hide behind photos and don't even ha uh, have the uh, the guts to put their own name on. But tournament bosses really going to great lengths and at pains to urge the rugby public to respect officials and to strive to deliver a constant elite standard of refereeing. Now I'm all for stopping abuse of referees, right? But how draconian will rugby get on this could be rather interesting. Like, can you not say anything negative? about a referee. Um, it will be very fascinating to see what happens on this one. Where will they draw, uh, draw the line? Would it be wrong for a player to utter any words of criticism towards a referee, even if the referee has a bad day? Are they now beyond reproach? We want athletes to be honest, don't we? Heck, World Rugby openly encouraged its male players uh, to exhibit more of their character and personality to the wider world at the opening World Cup press conference. So important for rugby in the future is players' personalities, CEO Alan Gilpin is quoted as saying. I think there's a lot of, uh, lot the men can learn from that. So show personality as long as you don't have an opinion on the referee 
and you keep the referee's name out of your mouth, all well and good. But let's hope the referees don't end up being a main character in this play at this tournament because I can promise you one thing. Journalists are going to ask players and coaches alike uh, for their verdict on the officials. Referees have become so central to this game and that is problematic for me. Elsewhere, according to the Telegraph, the Rugby World Cup uh, has been plunged into a spying controversy. What's going on here? Over fears certain teams will deploy espionage tactics here in France. The leading Tier 1 nation, a leading Tier 1 nation rather, is understood to have asked World Rugby for clarification about sanctions for any team found spying and that any advantage from such tactics could prove decisive in what is the most competitive World Cup since, well, ever. Uh, separately, uh, Telegraph Sport understands that there is a belief that training sessions have been spied on by international teams in recent years. Well, we remember Eddie Jones, a former English coach, what, four years ago, raised similar concerns during the World Cup in Japan. He sparked fears that uh, New Zealand may have been recording their training sessions ahead of their semi-final clash in Yokohama. Jones, on that occasion... um, I said the English security team, including one of Prince Harry's former bodyguards, let's not forget that, uh, became aware of someone using a long lens camera to film their entire training session from a balcony of a nearby overlooking uh, area from their training pitch. As a result, he joked that the uh, English had sent a a member of the staff to spy on the All Blacks. Now back to this tournament, security is very tight here. Uh, as as part of the uh, travelling accredited media, we're closely monitored. We are only allowed into training venues at particular times, at particular spots. We're told where and when to go and what and how we can shoot uh, video especially. Uh, yeah, rather interesting times to say the least. It has to be said. Uh, yeah. Uh, I haven't been able to, um, you know, steal any valuable information out of the All Blacks quite yet, um, nor transport it Christopher Walken style like Pulp Fiction um, and palm it off to the highest bidder. Security is just a little bit too prominent uh, for me to try. Apparently police officers are guarding team trainings as well and hotels. Uh, and I doubt this is to protect key information of what Bowdoin Barrett is having uh, for breakfast. Is it the Continental or the Cooked? Um, you might think, that sounds a little bit absurd, but uh, as it, is it any more than the report uh, the English training camp in northern France is currently being protected by security officers at the top of a tower? Sauron's doing rugby security now, possibly. So what happens if a team is actually caught spying? It's a very good question now, isn't it? And we'll see what will happen. Uh, It's important to know what the sanctions are if a team is caught spying given what is on the line, said one source to the Telegraph. Is it a points deduction or a fine? The stakes could not be higher. One thing that is becoming very clear to me, we haven't seen a ball kicked yet in anger. Teams seem on edge. Everyone is on edge. Perhaps the heat of France is getting to everyone and uh, listening and hearing from the All Blacks, fair to say, I think they want the games to begin. It is 11 minutes after 6 o'clock. 
This is Rugby World Cup today. My name is Daniel McCarty. We've got a great show lined up for you. Ehire West will join us shortly as we look at his time in France and understand French rugby culture a little bit. But let's go inside the All Blacks camp. The All Blacks, a bit like France, have a mounting injury toll. No Frizzell, no Retallick, no Lomax in the forward pack. Now that has spread into midfield, Geordie Barrett is under quite a significant injury doubt due to a niggling knee injury. One man who's certainly in line to possibly fill that void alongside Anton Leonard-Brown is David Havili. He, of course, has not had a whole heap of uh, footy himself. Uh, he's been plagued by um, injuries and ill health over his career Uh I think just 40 minutes in the last uh, month or so. So we uh, wanted to find out how he is feeling. Is he ready to answer the call? But he started off by talking about the potential loss of Geordie Barrett and how significant a player he is. Yeah, it'd be huge. Um, you know, he's a, he's a competitor and, um, you know, he's going to do everything he can to, to get out on the field. So yeah, he's got a bit of a niggle, but um, the competitor that he is, he'll, he'll try and be out there for this team and um, we hope he is. It's pretty much the same, like everyone's preparing to play. Um, you know, things like this can happen. Um, injuries can just come out of nowhere, so um, it's a full team thing. That's when you're called upon, you're ready to go. David, the challenge of France in an opening World Cup game, does it get much bigger than that? No, it doesn't, and that's awesome. You know, it's a great challenge for us. Um, something that we've got to walk towards, and um, you know, we had an awesome day today. Um, Later, we bit of detail and uh, a few foundations that we had to work on over the last couple of weeks, which has been great, and um, we're looking pretty good. We had a bit of a tough run over the last couple of years, but um, just being really grateful to be in this environment and giving everything I can to this team. And um, over the last couple of weeks, it's you know sunk in that got the potentially get <clears throat> the opportunity to, to play this weekend. So um, yeah, I'm just preparing um, to play, and if I get that opportunity, then um, the smile on my face would be huge running out. There's definitely a, a wee bit more going on, but um, you know, in terms of the game sense, you know, nothing really changes for me in terms of preparation for the week. Um, you've obviously got a wee bit more commitments outside of the of the field, but in terms of uh, preparing for the week, it's been pretty pretty similar of a normal week. But look, it's going to be awesome to have such a, a, a passionate crowd um, out there, and um, certainly excited to 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 feel that. A few years ago, could you believe that you would be? To be honest, probably not. Like I've been through a bit of a rough road, um, <clears throat> you know, major bowel surgery injuries the last couple of years. So for me, it's all been about timing and um, you know just giving myself an opportunity to, to be here. And um, I was super rugby, probably didn't um, finish the way I wanted to in the, in the sort of the final run. But um, yeah, I just had to show that I was ready to go and got that 40 minutes in against uh, Otago probably two or three weeks ago. So, yeah, I'm roaring and uh, ready to go. Well, the All Blacks in France don't have a lot of recent history uh, playing each other. David Harvilly has experienced playing in the culture that has uh, starred to France. He came off the bench, I do believe, when New Zealand were beaten quite comprehensively last time they played the French on French soil. So Harvilly was asked about that loss to, to France and what he remembers and what they took from it. As a team, we probably didn't execute as many opportunities as we did, and um, France took theirs, and they did their, that really well. I think Dupont's running game, in, in terms of being able to um, inflict that and make sure that we're all on around the field, because, like you said, there's X factor across that, that whole French side, and um, we just got to make sure that we can have our plans in place to make sure we can try and stop that. But 
like it's going to be an awesome spectacle and um, yeah, blessed to be a part of this team. How does it make you feel watching this course? Because the opportunity to get better, man, um, and that's what we're about as players, professional players. You, you know, you take the the tough losses um, on your chin and you move forward and you get better. Um, and that's what we're going to do this weekend, and I think we've done that over the last couple of weeks, and certainly put a lot of those learnings into into these last couple of trainings. David Harvilly speaking to the assembled media horde ahead of the opening game of Rugby World Cup and of course here on SENZ. Not only are we broadcasting out live from France right now, we will be at Stade de France for kickoff. But before that, we're going to figure out if the likes of David Harvilly are going to feature. Will it be from the start or off the bench? We don't have long now to wait. Uh, let's give you a schedule of what is to come in the next 24 hours as far as the All Blacks concerned. They will name their team tomorrow morning New Zealand time at 3 a.m. That's when they'll officially announce their uh, opening squad for the opening match of the World Cup against France at 3 a.m. Uh, half an hour later at 3.30 it will be uh, the press conference where captain, coach and uh, I think they'll also put up four players from the starting lineup. So lots of uh, voices, perspective, opinions to come in the immediate aftermath of that. So to start repeating, the All Blacks will announce their team at 3 a.m. tomorrow morning before a press conference conference at 3.30. We will be there. You can uh, hear a full breakdown of uh, the, sh uh, the team uh, on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast um, and then throughout the day. Uh, lots of insights there and across all of our social media platforms. What else as far as the schedule is concerned? Well, let's not forget the games. The games are not too far. I can smell them like a croissant. Now I'm hungry. Go on, Logan. Go get us some breakfast. Don't uh, do this to me, man. No, no. no it's, been a, it's been a long night, a long morning. It's uh, 6 a.m. Our coverage starts on Saturday morning. How big is Saturday? As far as sport is concerned, it's going to be absolutely enormous. So you will wake up and from 6 a.m. Our coverage starts. France up against New Zealand. Start de France in the city of Saint-Denis to the north of Paris. I will be uh, joined by Justin Marshall, the former uh, all-black halfback, uh, to provide expert analysis. Kickoff itself is at quarter past seven. Uh, the following day, we've got two games coming your way. Sam Hewitt, Scotty Stevenson are ready to rip into action. It's uh, Australia up against Georgia. That's going to be a fascinating one. We know Australia's battled. How good uh, are Georgia? Uh, they have been threatening to take a, a scalp or two uh, along the way. And what a start to the tournament that would be if they're uh, to upset Australia. Uh, our coverage will start at 3.45 in the morning with kickoff at 4 o'clock. That is Sunday morning. On uh, Straight after, though, England v Argentina. Argentina favourites? Well, that's what the English press continue to tell us, that uh, Argentina deserve to be favourites for that game. Scotty Stevenson has the call, 7am England, up against Argentina from the gorgeous city of Marseille, Stade de Marseille. Uh, the first two games, though, of this tournament, both being played at Stade de France. Uh, that is our two, uh, Rugby World Cup 2023 schedule. With Kubota, together we are shaping and building New Zealand. It is 18 minutes after 6 o'clock. My name is Daniel McCarty. We will take a break. And then on the other side, our feature interview today, we catch up with the man who's made France his home over the last number of years and has had uh, great success with uh, La Rochelle, especially one year at 
that Toulon European Cup winner from a couple of years ago, E. Higher West. Yes, uh, the Hawks, baby. Well, the Havelock boy, if I'm not mistaken, will join the show. Stay with us. Rugby World Cup continues from the foyer in front of our hotel in Lyon. Sorry to say, blue skies above. The sun's coming out. I got sunburned like a lobster yesterday, and we're going to have another stinking hot day. Stay with us after the break. E. Higher West. We are utterly thrilled to welcome into Rugby World Cup today uh, Ihaya West. You'll remember him, of course, Māori All Black, played for the Blues, uh, played for the Canes. He's a Bay boy. Sorry, Bay of Plenty, fellas. The real Bay, Hawks Bay. Producer Logan Swinkle's not too happy with that. But over the last uh, few years, he's been performing in very, very well in the French game. Uh, La Rochelle, then on to Toulon. But he's heading back to La Rochelle, European champion, if I'm not mistaken, as well. That's quite some resume. He still looks like he did when he was a fresh-faced 20-year-old playing for the Bay. Ehi West, how you doing, sir? Wow, what an intro, mate. Um, yeah, doing awesome. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. No, thank you for giving up some of your time. I, I know time is precious for French rugby players. Um, Man, it's a hectic schedule. You know, I'm just looking up the, the table for the top 14, 26 games played. You, you factor in European competitions on top of that. Um, international rugby for many as well. No rest for the wicked in playing in France? Nah, not at all. It's a, it's a busy old season we get over here in, uh, in France. I mean, I got a good taste of that my first year. My first year I came straight off the back of a hurricane season, straight into La Rochelle season, and I played 31 games that year so yeah like you said it's a it's a big old season but um yeah the the french are rugby fanatics over here what did you know about french rugby when you uh left behind new zealand yeah not too much to be honest um i think i'm like a, a lot of people back in new zealand we don't really you know watch too much of the french rugby or the european rugby we sort of you know, stick to the NPC, the Super 8B, and, and watch the All Blacks and that. So I didn't know too much. Um, obviously knew there was a, a lot of players from New Zealand that, that make their way over to France to, um, you know, experience the culture, to um, experience a different type of rugby. So I didn't know too much, but um, since I've been here the last, you know, five going on, this is my sixth season, um, I've been loving it. Me and the family absolutely love it in France and enjoying every second of it. I'm just trying to do the math. You're only 31. So what were you, 25, 26 when you made the trip? You're right in your peak. Yeah, I was 26. Yeah, 26 when we when we made the move over. So, um, yeah, some would say I was sort of in the peak of my sort of career. But, I've yeah, I haven't regretted it. I've, like I said before, mm. loved every, everything about the, the French culture, the rugby and, and everything. Did your rugby translate day one? You've obviously had a really successful time here, and the record speaks for itself. Did it translate on day one, or you're like, holy cow, I can't play like I, I did back home? No, nah, not at all. It's exactly right. It's a completely different game. You know, back home, everyone just, you know, we love playing with the, with the ball in our hands, just playing an expansive sort of style of rugby, whereas over here in Europe, it's a, it's a little bit different. Um, it's a lot more physical, the... There's a lot more emphasis on a good scrum, on a, on a driving more and things like that. A lot more kicking in the game as well. So the game's probably a little bit slower. Um, so yeah, I definitely had to adjust to that. And as we were talking before about how long the seasons are, you, it's sort of seasons are like this. You know, you yeah. start the season and it's the end of summer and it's, you know, 
30 something degrees and that's where you can sort of play with the ball a bit more and then you get to about December, January where it's freezing cold you're playing at, <laughs> you're playing at 9pm at night so you're just sitting in the pocket and just kicking corners and then you get to the end of the season where it's getting to, to spring and summer again and you know you can play a bit more so yeah definitely had to adjust it took a while um, but yeah it's definitely a different game to, to back home It doesn't sound like um, your natural inclination was always to have a go, to attack, to, you know, um, you know, great footwork, pace, acceleration. So how long do you think it took before you're like, OK, I, I'm, a, I'm really in tune here with the French game. I know what this is all about. Um, maybe a season or two just to really knuckle down, I think. Well, that obviously, long. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, the language barrier is another yeah. something else that you have to, to get your head around too because, you know, there's a lot of boys in the team that can they can speak a little bit of English, but you know, in the heat of the moment, you know, you're trying to speak in English, French, and translate as well. So uh, that was a big uh, a big thing that we had to get our head head around as well. And yeah, it did it did take a while, but uh, to be fair, I was pretty lucky. I came to La Rochelle and we had the likes of Victor Vito, who was there, who was basically fluent his first year when he got here. So we had him. I had Tawada Kubalo at nine, so it made it a little bit easier with those sort of guys around me to to adjust. Such an annoying overachiever as Victor, isn't he? Oh, exactly. He made the rest of us foreigners look bad the way he, speak, the way he was speaking French all day, every day. <laughs> oh, brilliant. But I love that how, um, you know, real focus on set piece, you know. Props can be stars in France. Look, look at Winnie Antonio. The only place a boy from Timaru um, can rock up to France and become a rock star. Um, incredible story, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah, like he is, like you said, he is a rock star. He is the king of La Rochelle, we like to, like to call him. Like he didn't get much of a crack in New Zealand. Everyone sort of thought he was too big and unfit. Um, and he came to La Rochelle on just a win when they were in second division maybe 10 or 11 years ago. And now he's... You know, he's one of the best players in the world and he's the he's the number one guy on that the French scrum at the moment. So yeah, he's awesome and everyone loves him in La Rochelle and in France and um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool story actually. French have got a ride, haven't they? Props are rock stars. Props are rock stars. Uh, EI West is our feature guest here on Rugby World Cup today. It's bang on 6.30, that means only one thing. We'll head off to Johnny Mack, part two with EI West, not too far away as we head off to the news. Another photo taken by Logan Swinkle, so check out our social media. We're out in the foyer of our uh, uh, hotel in Lyon. It's a glorious morning. <sighs> Absolutely loving life. Uh, loving having a little chat uh, to Ehi West in uh, part one. We sort of scratched the surface of his time in uh, French rugby. He's uh, been here for a number of years, had a lot of success uh, with that uh, rather large club, La Rochelle. Let's hear more from Ehi West about his time up here in the north. Tell me about the fanaticism of the fans, as you said at the top of the, of the program. I, I think we like to think we're passionate about rugby. I've always described New Zealand rugby fans, Ihai, and I'm not sure if you agree with us. We're really passionate from the end of the game all week up until kickoff, and then we sit on our fat ass and do nothing. It, it seems like the French sort of, what, 365 days of the year they're right into it, and at game time they, they, they see it as a chance for it to be a 16th man? Yeah, that's... That's 100% right. You've uh, you've nailed it on the head there. I mean, 
the game day experience over here is yeah so much different to to back home. Like you said, everyone gets the game, they just sit there, they don't really, they just watch the game, sit there and watch footy. Whereas over here, we, you know, fans get to the game two hours before kickoff and they're, you know, they're drinking at the gates, they're, they're all wearing their team's colours, they're, they're waiting for the boys to get off the bus and there's, you know, thousands of people there every week, every game, you know, just waiting for the boys to, to get off the bus and walk into the stadium and cheer them on and um, throughout the game, they're chanting, singing songs the whole time. Um, I think in La Rochelle, the stadium has been sold out close to 80 games or something in a row. So um, What? Yeah. 80 games? 80 games in a row, yeah. It's crazy. Like Tickets are hard to come by in La Rochelle at the moment. And it's the same all around France. You know, you go to, you play an away game and they've got all the away fans there, you know, booing you as you walk into the yeah. stadium. And yeah, it makes for an awesome atmosphere, like every, every single game. So they are d- definitely different sort of type of fans. They really get in behind it. You must have been looking around and going, what the heck's going on here, mate? I'm not in, ha- I'm not in Havelock anymore. Th- this is completely different. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And it's, um, you know, like I've said, I've been here six years now. So it's, it's awesome to see, like, when you get new players from um, overseas and they come and experience it for the first time, and you just watch them on the bus and they're just like, what's going on? Like, their eyes just light up. So, yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool and something we really – really enjoying it. It definitely is like a 16th man for the team because, yeah. you know, most teams are really good at home and then away could be, can be a real struggle away from home, I mean. How do you think the fans are going to be to you this year? Yeah, you had a little fleeting little trip up to Toulon, didn't you? Or down. My geography is pretty hopeless of, of France, mate. Yeah, down. But you had one year there, but what, La Rochelle's home. Does it feel like that yeah. going back? Yeah, it definitely feels like it's like it's home for us. Like me and my family, we we loved our time here. The first, you know, the first four years we we're here, and it was um, it was very it was very difficult to leave that first time. And then, um, you know, it's funny how the world works. And I'm back here a year later, so yeah, it's sort of felt like I've never left. To be honest, just around the boys and around the club and stuff. Um, we haven't had we haven't actually had a game at this back at home yet because uh, they're redoing the stadium. So we got. Um, our game got moved a couple of hours away, so yeah, definitely looking forward to that first uh, home game back at uh, back at La Rochelle. It's crazy. We've got a Rugby World Cup about to kick off, and the top fourteen rolls on. Like that, that doesn't make much sense to me, eh? Like that, that seems a little yeah. bit crazy, isn't it? And and I guess yeah. that's why the debate in France uh, or French rugby it does seem to me. And I'm an outsider. I'm just and I'm just get, getting my head around it. It seems like that simply the debate is: is it too much? Are we asking too much of the players? Is that fair? And from a player's perspective. Is it too much? Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's so so different, eh, all around the world. Like, like we were saying how long the seasons are here and then you go to Japan and the season's, like, half the length, maybe. Um, but, it's, yeah, it sort of depends on the individual and how you how you want to, you know, play your rugby or um, also it comes down to the management, load management uh, from the coaches and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, the season for us, the top 14 is a little bit bizarre, actually. So we've just finished our third game. So we play, we've played the first three games, and now we, we don't have another game until after the World Cup. So we've got a bit of time off and then back into another, another preseason, which all the boys sort of love. So, it's um, <laughs> yeah, it's a weird, weird sort of season, this one, but it's awesome. You can already feel, like, the buzz around the country with, the, with having the World Cup here. EI e. West is with us. That sounds like the worst possible scenario in the world, mate. Two pre-seasons? Yeah. Nah. Yeah, exactly. Nah. We, we, we were pretty lucky with the first one. It was only two and a half weeks. So, um, 
Ronan sort of let us off lightly there, but uh, I think this next little four week, I think four or five week one is going to be going to be a bit tougher. Ronan, like describe him as a coach. He's had a heck of success, yeah. um, and obviously really annoying to opposition teammates too. Opposition yeah, yeah. teams and wingers especially. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, he's he's awesome. He's a he's a great coach. Uh, he's very very passionate. Like you can tell how much he loves he loves rugby. Like yeah. that's you know he just loves it and he um, gets that across to the players well. But he's also he also has a great balance between you know that seriousness when we need it and also being able to have a bit of fun with the boys, be one of the boys, have a beer with have a beer with us and things like that. So yeah, he's been awesome. He's been awesome for the club, yeah. Malarsha. You know, when when he came in, and sort of, sort of taking this club to a whole new level, and obviously the last two European Champions uh, Cups are uh, credit to to him and the work he's done as well. Uh, and of course, you were firmly involved in the first one, and you no doubt want more. That that's pretty obvious. The the one thing I'd like to know, and I won't keep you too much longer. I know you've got to go to to a holiday before your second preseason starts, man. I want you to maximise every single moment there. Uh, but from afar, have you been keeping a close eye on the international game? And, and are you like many pundits out there, can't wait to see how this tournament plays out simply because it appears to be so wide open? Yeah, definitely. Like, I always, uh, you know, watch, always watching the All Blacks games and try and watch as many international games as I can. Um, and yeah, like I said, the buzz around France for the World Cup is awesome. And I'm the same as well. And, you know, a lot of people said it, but the. The tournament this year is so so widely open. You know, so many teams could can have a chance to win it. Um, and the way the draw is, you know, heavily favoured to one side. Even you know, teams on the other side have got a a really good chance to make semi-finals. And then when you're in the semi-final, it's you know, yeah, it's only a couple of good games from being champions of the world. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, to being a spectator, and especially here in France, it's going to be it's going to be awesome. Well, you're so well positioned, as we wrap this up, to, to explain to the New Zealand audience how the growth of this French team over four years. There were lots of young, sort of t- talented players blooded during the 2019 World Cup. I think they finished top of their group and then get knocked out um, in a very tight quarter final. But th- there was the, the makings of something. It sort of blossomed quite quickly, didn't it? So how good is this side? You know, what makes them tick? What makes them, you know, probably one of the better French sides we've seen over many a generation? Yeah. That's exactly right. I think the last they have been sort of building this team over the last three or four years since the last World Cup, and they've got a lot of awesome players. And I think the coaches with um, Fabian Galtier, he's uh, he's brought a whole lot of structure and uh, a good sort of culture around the team. You know, the French have always been known for their French flair and being able to you know surprise teams on their day, but this team's been a lot more consistent and they've managed to put together a whole lot of wins. And obviously. Obviously, Antoine Dupont, as everyone sort of knows who he is, he's the he's the sort of glue to that team, and he can do he can do anything. But the rest, they've built like a really really good squad. Like they've got a whole lot of depth in French rugby. Like uh, when they named their 33, I think it was last week. You know, there was obviously a lot of discussions about who missed out, and that's only good because it shows how much depth there is in French rugby. And um, I think a couple of injuries as well is probably. Not the best of them. Well, they've lost Roman Intermac, who's a who's a class player, and yeah. he's going to be a big loss for them. Especially the, you know, the combination he has with Dupont. He plays together with him at club level, and they've been together in the French team for the last three or four years, playing all these games. So he's going to be a big loss. But um, the depth they have in French rugby and, and their squad, uh, it's going to be 
it's going to be cool to watch, and especially that first game on Friday against the All Blacks is going to be going to be a big one. Yeah, you look at like someone like Cyril Bai, if he's if he's propping any other team around the world, people are hitting panic stations, aren't they? France can kind of replace that, although Cyril Bai is a sensational yeah. player. Do, do they have any vulnerability? Like, do they have a preferred mode of play? Do they? Is there something they want to avoid, or do you see a truly well-rounded side here that the All Blacks have to deal with? Yeah, I see a really well-rounded side. Like I was saying before, you know, French teams in the past have been known for their flair and stuff, mm. and then. French rugby here is known for, you know, scrumming and mauling and kicking. Um, but that whereas they can do all of that and in their backs they've got a whole lot of X factor as well. So they can play they have a good well rounded game and they can play, you know, multiple styles of rugby if needed. So um, yeah, they're definitely obviously one of the one of the favourites going into the World Cup and like I was like we were talking about before, when the French teams the club teams play at home, they just lift another leg and I think with the World Cup being in France as well, that's only going to only gonna help them. Yeah, and it seems the French rugby playbook are really believing. Like, games that start to France seem feral now, and I say yeah. that as a compliment. Like, four or five years ago, it was a bit of a sterile environment, wasn't it? Yeah, 100%. And I was, yeah, we went actually went to the French All Blacks game, I think it was a couple of years ago, back mm. in start to France. And, um, yeah, it was just... The crowd was pumping, and it's, the stadium's so big, and all those French supporters just scre- just screaming their heads off, singing the national anthem throughout the game. Is is a it's a it makes for an awesome atmosphere, and I expect that it's going to be pretty similar throughout the whole World Cup. Good man, Ehi. Great to see you. Uh, great to see you still humming along. Only thirty we thirty one years of age, mate. You've got many many years to go. Um, thanks so much for dropping by. Enjoy your holiday. I know you've got an 11-month-old um, taking on holiday. Uh, good luck to you, sir. Hopefully yes, you, get, yes. hope you, you and your wife actually get a little bit of sleep. But fair to say, you still want the All Blacks to win and you want to be able to go to your second pre-season sort of wagging the finger in front of your, your French teammates. Is that fair? Yeah, 100%. I'll be wearing my All Blacks jersey into training that day if that happens <laughs> and definitely letting them know, uh, letting them know who, I'm, uh, who I'm supporting. Good man, Ehi. Keep up the great work, mate. We look forward to seeing how things go with La Rochelle uh, once, you, once you get back from your trip. Thanks so much for dropping by. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me. Had a pleasure having Ehi West on the programme. Back with La Rochelle, and I've just got visions of him striding back into training, wearing black, wagging that finger. We will take a short break. It is quarter to seven o'clock. This is Rugby World Cup today, live from Lyon. 10 minutes away from 7 o'clock. Rugby World Cup today live from Lyon. Let's get to our breakout performance of the day. Breakout River Meats, 100% Australian meat and proudly supporting Rugby Union. Uh, Georgia is on my mind. Georgia take on Australia, of course, Sunday morning New Zealand time. And the Times have described this potential breakout player as Georgia's Dan Carter, even though he plays left or right wing or fullback. I'm talking about Georgia's David Niashvili, arguably one of the most exciting backs ever to come out of Georgia. The 21-year-old scored nine tries for his French club Lyon in this very city. They absolutely adore him here. He announced himself to World Rugby, you might remember, back in 2022 in the Challenge Cup final when uh, this little, little winger absolutely owned South African monster lock, Iban Estebeth. Uh, huge crunching tackle. Uh, 30k disadvantage he did have, but didn't stop him picking him up and driving him into the turf. Uh, the Lilos have traditionally uh, produced power 
powerhouse uh, heavyweight forwards, but near Nashville, bucks that trend and could be a difference maker to help propel them to their first ever World Cup quarter final spot. Georgia have known what a talent they've had on their hands for a long time. They called him into the squad when he was just 17 and he made the first of his 23 test match appearances at just 18 and was named by French rugby magazine Midi Olympique as the top 14 rookie of the year this past season. Look out for David Nieshvili of Georgia. That was our breakout performance for today with Breakout River Meets, proud supporter of local independent butchers and the Rugby World Cup. Let's go back inside the All Blacks camp before we wrap up today. Uh, Ethan De Groot and the uh, tight forward smarting after being humbled by South Africa. Let's hear from the All Black loose head prop. Yeah, obviously um, our last game we played, we got you know we got dominated and in, in around the set piece, and you know uh, you could say it was down to discipline. And um, but yeah, we've just been working on you know tidying up a few things around our set piece, and I think the one was a little difference between obviously big packs going against each other. Um, I think the French probably lean a bit more than the than the South Africans do. Um, you know they got their whole back five coming off. Um, no one's really holding any weight, so. We'll be prepared for that, and that's probably the probably the one big difference between French and South Africans. More lean. Ethan, I don't think you've played the French. How do you go about preparing? You know your individual matchup. You know, gather as much information about them. Yeah, um, I think it just comes down to reviewing, uh, previewing teams, um, talking to the guys that have scrummed before, um, getting around. Yeah, just the leaders in the team that have come up against the front, uh, the French in France. So. Um, yeah, plenty of homework's gone on this week and yeah, ready to put our plan into place. You know, it's always good to test yourself against um, good players and um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to ripping in. We've had obviously a big build up um, the time we've spent in Germany, so yeah, I think it's it almost feels like we're a day ahead of ourselves or two days ahead, so yeah, there's a bit of a slowdown and don't go too hard, but no, we're just we're building through the week nicely and uh, yeah, come Friday we'll be at our peak. Obviously, I'm prepared that it's going to be extremely vocal and uh, it's going to be extremely loud so yeah you said two years ago um, no I wouldn't have probably thought I'd be here but um, you know I'm just extremely grateful um, stoked to be playing in my first World Cup so yeah I'm expecting big things and I'm expecting to have a great game. Ethan DeGroote speaking to the media ahead of the opening game of the World Cup. Now, I'm no body language expert, but if his body language tells me anything, he's pissed. Uh, they're angry, um, embarrassed even, about the way they performed last time out. We'll see if there is a response good enough to beat a very, very good French side Saturday morning. That wraps up today's edition of Rugby World Cup Today, coming to you live from Leon. Remember, the All Blacks announced 3 a.m. in the morning press conference at 3.30. Izzy and Kippy for breakfast will be all over it following that and right throughout the day here on SENZ. Keep an eye out on all our social media. We'll try and keep you up to date what's happening here in France. My thanks to Brad Lewis, Logan Swinkles. We'll catch you tomorrow, team. Ta-da from Leon. World Cup today. For today is done and dusted.